All right. Well, um, I want to start this morning. If, if you were here last week or if you weren't here last week, I want to let you know we, we decided something. We decided last Sunday, last Sunday's uh, traditionally, it's the second Sunday of Easter. It's a Sunday that's traditionally called Low Sunday. And um, it's usually because, uh, for a lot of reasons, but what we decided last week was that we were going to call that particular Sunday from now on and, and, the week, and the Sundays that follow as we continue in this season of Easter, instead of Low Sunday, we decided that we're going to call it Go Sunday. And we're going to call every Sunday Go Sunday from this, for this season of Easter because we decided that as disciples of Jesus Christ, as the church, that, that we want to be people who go. We want to go wherever and whenever and to whoever that God uh, calls us to go to because we believe that Easter Sunday uh, wasn't the end, it was just the beginning. Amen? We, we believe that, that we want the good news of God's grace to be not just heard but seen in our lives and our life together. And, and so one of the ways that we can do that is to, to ask the question. We asked this question last week. I want to ask it today. I want to ask us to continue to ask this question over and over again in our lives and in our life together. It's a simple uh, but powerful question, and it's just two words. Now what? What do we do in response to this life-changing, world-changing event called the resurrection? How do we live our lives and our life together in light of the resurrection of Jesus? How do we live into our identity as followers of Christ in the church? How do we live out our faith in the places and the people that God calls us to? Uh, the way that the Apostle Paul described it as he challenged the Ephesian church, he says to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning for just a few minutes. And uh, our scripture lesson today, I think, gives us a glimpse into what that looked like. For the early church as they were seeking to to live their lives and their life together as a response uh, to the resurrection how it it transformed their lives and it transformed the world around them my hope is that that their lives and their life together would be an example to us of what uh, what we've been talking about for a while in the church what it looks like to live uh, life together in Christ what does that look like how how we might be transformed and how we might transform the world around us uh, one of my favorite movies is a movie called The Greatest Showman. Has anybody ever seen that movie? Uh, came out a couple of years ago, Hugh Jackman. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's this great quote in the movie that I think kind of captures the essence of this. I want to share it for you today. Uh, the main character, P.T. Barnum, he says this, No one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. I love that. I think that's a huge part of the story of the early church. Uh, they made a difference by not being like everyone else. They had chosen to live differently in light of the resurrection. And because of that, they stood out. Uh, the world around them took notice. And, and I think that we would do well to take notice as well. Uh, so I want you to hear their story. And I hope that they'll, they'll have some things to teach us about what it looks like to live our lives in light of the resurrection and to live lives that are worthy of the calling that we've received. But, but to kind of introduce it a little bit this morning, I want to start by asking you a question. Uh, how many of y'all have like a, like a greatest hits list in, in, in your mind? Maybe you've, got a, maybe you've got a playlist in your car or on your, uh, on your device, but what about like a top three list of like your top three favorite songs, your top three favorite movies, top three favorite foods, those kind of things, right? The uh, reason why I ask is because I think that you can learn a lot about someone 
by hearing their greatest hits, right? Let me share a few of mine with you. I already told you uh, one of my top three favorite movies is The Greatest Showman. Uh, the second one is probably Star Wars, uh, any of them. And then uh, this, is, this is really sad, actually. My third one, I was trying to figure out what it was. I just wrote down whatever Disney movie my kids are watching right now because it's just kind of <laughs> that has to be my favorite because I watch it all the time. Uh, so my top three favorite songs are uh, Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon. Anybody remember that one? Oh, thank you. Good. Some of y'all like that? that. That's my wife and my song. It was our song when we were dating, and we danced to it at our wedding. Uh, the second one is uh, Someone to Watch Over Me by Ella Fitzgerald. It was my granddad's favorite song. We played it at his funeral. And uh, my third favorite song, you may not know this one, there's a, a, a Christian song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called Cinderella. It's about a little girl and her dad. And uh, yeah, y'all know that one too. So that's the one that I've decided that I'm going to probably, you know, dance to and bawl my eyes out at my daughter's wedding whenever that happens. So, um, so those are my top three movies, top three foods, pizza, every Friday night's movie pizza night, uh, burgers, hamburgers, specifically busters. Anybody like busters? Yep, and then uh, my dad makes a, a flank steak that we have every chance we can get. It's our favorite thing for every special occasion. So those are my top three uh, foods. And then top three vacation destinations. Last one, uh, Disney World. Grew up going to Disney World. I know there are a few of y'all that love to do that too. Um, but we actually had our honeymoon at Disney World. I also put down Kentucky because that's where my family lives, and I try to go up there and, and see them and maybe even catch a game whenever I can. And then uh, I wrote down for number three, the beach. You know, it doesn't matter what beach, just the beach, right? Yep, right. Y'all with me on that? See, so y'all know a little bit more about me now that you know my top three. And now I know a little bit more about you, those of y'all that let me know. That was probably part of your top three greatest hits as well. So the reason why I wanted to do all that this morning to share that with you is because um, today I've decided that I'm going to call my sermon God's Greatest Hits. I want, to, I want to talk about what I think are kind of the top three. As you look at, you look at the, uh, the whole of Scripture, God's Word, I think there are three passages that really point to uh, who God is and, and what it looks like for us to live our lives in light of the resurrection. There, there are three passages that kind of rise to the top. And, and so the first two might be, might be pretty obvious to y'all, maybe, because they, if, if you've got little headings in your Bible, they have that word great or greatest in front of it. Uh, in, in my Bible, Matthew 22 says the greatest commandment because it's where uh, Jesus is asked, what, what's the greatest commandment, right? And he says what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets uh, hang on these two things. They're the greatest commandment. Then in Matthew 28, my Bible says the great, what? Anybody? Commission, right? We talked about that last week, right? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We've got the greatest commandment. We've got the greatest commission or the great commission. And then the third one, this one might not be so obvious, so I want to kind of set it up for you today um, and kind of break down why I think it's in, in that greatest hits of God's greatest hits. It's, it comes from Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. It, it's what I'd like to call the greatest community. And the reason why I think it's the greatest community is because this is where God's people were learning to live out both the greatest commandment and the great commission within the context of community, with learning how to do life together in Christ. And, and this is the essence of what I think it means to be the church. And, 
in the, in the places and with the people that God has called us to and, and that God sends us to. So I want you to listen to this, God's word for us today, and, and, and hear this, uh, this greatest community. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's Acts chapter 2. Now listen to Acts chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of the possessions as their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. This is such a beautiful picture of what, what a great community looks like. What it looks like to live out the great commandment and the great commission within the context of, of community. And, and as I reflected on these passages this week, there are some things that, that kind of stood out to me that I want to share with you today. Uh, what I think helped to make this a, a great community, how their lives and their life together reflected their response to the resurrection, how it transformed them and it transformed the world around them through them. And it's really why they, they stood out, why they, how they made a difference by being different. And, and it, what it really boils down to, again, was this community was seeking to live out the great commandment and the great commission. And, and the world around them took notice. And, and so I think we should take notice, too, if we want to be uh, the greatest community that we can be for Christ and for one another. So I've got, I've got four quick things I'm going to share with you. And the first one is this. The first way that this great community uh, was living out the great commandment and the great commission in light of the resurrection was by prioritizing community even in light of adversity. Listen to what that first verse said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to break the breaking of bread and to prayer. I love that word devoted. I, I stopped there for a while because I think that word speaks volumes. They were devoted. They were committed to Christ and to the community. They, were, they made a priority, not only their relationship with God, but their relationships with one another. Even though sometimes that devotion was costly. It wasn't easy. They, they, they were met with a lot of adversity. I think sometimes we take for granted what a gift uh, that communion with God and community with others is. I think sometimes we lose sight of, of those things mentioned above. And, and sometimes we think that they're just reserved for, for those super Christians or those leaders in the church, right? Scripture, fellowship, breaking the bread, prayer. Those things are essential components of the Christian life and life together. And not just in worship on Sunday, right? But, but outside of worship on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, they're not extras, they're essential. I think that's important for us to remember. Uh, and I think that was what, what the early church was seeking to remember. And not just to remember, not just to know it, but to practice it. Um, and I think that's true for us, even though uh, it, it's had to look a lot different for us this year. And we've definitely faced our fair share of adversity, amen? We, we've had to keep those things in front of us. Those are the things that have anchored us and, and kept us connected to Christ and to one another. I think it's so important for us to never lose sight of those things 
because they're foundational to, to our faith. Even though it looked different for the early church, I think they understood that and the world around them took notice. And so we, we should take notice too. That brings me to the second thing. Second way the great community lived out the great commandment and the great commission in light of the resurrection was, was by praying for unity in light of diversity. It says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They were one in heart and mind. I think it's important for us to remember that this was a community of faith that was breaking, breaking down all kinds of barriers. It was as if all those differences that, that divided people, whether it be racial or cultural or socioeconomic or political or gender or even religious, those things didn't, it wasn't that they didn't matter, it's, it's that something mattered even more that, that united them, that brought them together. It was a community of men and women and rich and poor and Jews and Gentiles, sinners and saints. Uh, nowhere else in the culture of that day would, would you see all those groups of people speaking to each other, much less worshiping together or breaking bread together. It didn't mean that they all agreed on everything, right? I mean, unity isn't always uniformity. It just meant there was something greater than their differences that brought them together. And what that was, was the good news of God's grace. It transformed how they saw themselves, how they saw God, and how they saw everyone and everything else. And because of that, they stood out. They were different. And, and the world around them took notice. I think we would do well to take notice too. That brings me to the, the third thing. Oh, I wanted to share this with you. Yesterday, in this room, a, a group of folks met with our friends at Generous Church. I've shared a little bit with you over the past few weeks about, uh, and some of you know over the past couple of years, we've partnered with an organization called Generous Church. And, and their goal for us is whole life generosity, not just financial giving. It's about us being generous in everything that we do with forgiveness and compassion and uh, in, in our whole life of discipleship and life as a church. And so they came yesterday and they talked a lot about the early church and, and what that looked like and how they were such a generous church with everything that they were. And uh, as, as he was talking about the book of Acts, I was thinking, I mean, he, this, is, this is my sermon for tomorrow. It was so much so I had to stand up at the end of the meeting yesterday and said, hey, I just need to let y'all know I wrote my sermon way earlier in the week, okay? Uh, I'm not just going to steal what these guys are saying today. Uh, but I wanted to share that with you because he talked, he talked about unity. And, and he also talked about what I'm getting ready to share with you. This is number three. The third way that I believe that the great community lived out the great commandment and the great commission was by practicing generosity in light of scarcity. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. This was a community of faith that was actually committed to taking care of one another. I don't think it was like, you know, communism or charity like we know it today. I think it was very simply people taking care of people, looking out for one another in the least of these, and they were willingly sharing resources that were available to them for the greater good. And, and it stood out. The world around them, again, took notice. And it wasn't that they did that perfectly. It wasn't that they were perfect. It's that they, was, they were being perfected in the love of God. One of the things we talked about yesterday that you'll probably hear me talk a lot more about in the future is that we are generous because we have a generous God, <laughs> that we love because he first loved us, that, that we love one another the way that Christ loved us. And Christ w was committed to sacrificial, unconditional generosity 
and, and God pours out blessing and, and, and grace and mercy and forgiveness on us. And so he calls us to do the same. And, and so I think that was the foundation of that, whatever, however imperfectly that looks. And that brings me to the fourth thing. Uh, the fourth way that this great community lived out the great commandment and the great commission was by pursuing authenticity even in light of our humanity. It said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. It reminds me of that passage of Scripture, my grace is sufficient for you. For you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So many times I think we feel like we have to be perfect to be Christians, and that couldn't be further from the truth, right? And sometimes I think the world takes notice of that as well. But, but what if we could be authentic? What if we could say we're not perfect, but we're being made perfect in the perfect love of God in our relationships with one another as we seek to, to be like Jesus and to share that love with one another? What would that look like to, to the world around us? That's what I think was beautiful about this. This was the, the church, the early church was committed to, to making relationships a priority. It was more than just, you know, one hour in one place on Sunday morning where it's really easy to kind of put your best foot forward, right? <laughs> it was really about doing life together. It was this authentic, ongoing connection where people were inviting one another into their homes. They were inviting one another into the messiness of their everyday lives. And, and guess what? Once again, the world around them took notice. And I love, I love how the passage ends. Do you remember? This is the, this is the beautiful application. This is the goal. This is, the, um, this is the, the payoff of it all, I guess. It says, They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that what it's all about? It's about a relationship with God and, and a relationship with one another. And through our relationships with one another, that others might come to know uh, that relationship with God as well. I, I believe it's the same for us today. It's who we are called to be as individuals and as a church. If we continue to, to seek to live out the greatest commandment and the great commission in, in this community that we call fellowship, then God will continue to transform us and transform the world around us as we seek to to be and do as God called us to be. I love how, how John, the, one of Jesus' disciples in his letter in the New Testament, I love how he describes it. Listen to this. He says, We proclaim to you what we've seen and what we've heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the message that we've heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. You know why I love that passage so much? Why, why I thought you'd like it so much? You know why? Because it's all about the what? The fellowship. It's about the fellowship, a, a fellowship with God through Christ. It's about a, a fellowship with one another in Christ. It's about a fellowship that shines the light of Christ to the world around us. It, it's, about, it's about believing the good news of God's grace and then becoming the good news of God's grace by belonging to a community that's committed to embodying the good news of God's grace. Don't you want to be a part of a fellowship like that? 
I know I do. And, and I know that, that I am. I know that God is continuing to, to make us that kind of fellowship as we, as we prioritize our relationships with God, right? As we, as we pursue authenticity, as we pray for unity, as we practice generosity, God transforms us. And, and through that, God begins to transform the world around us with the good news of God's grace. So, so today, what I want to ask you to do as us as a fellowship family, I want to ask you to, to consider and to, uh, to pray about and to wrestle with those four things this week, to ask yourselves these questions. How do we prioritize community in light of adversity? How do we pray for unity in light of diversity? How do we practice generosity in light of scarcity? How do we pursue authenticity in light of humanity? That, that's, that's what I want to pray for you and for me and for us, that the great commandment and the great commission would be at the top of our list as a great community, as we seek to live lives worthy of the calling that we receive so that we can be the community that God's called us to be, so that the community and the world around us might take notice. What do you say? And all of God's people in this great community said, Amen. 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 Uh, the worship team's going to come up and they're going to lead us in one more song. And as they do, I just want to invite you to, to, to spend some time in the presence of God. Ask God what, what God might be putting on your heart today to respond in light of the resurrection in your life and in your relationships, the places and the people that God has called you. I want to pray, pray for that for us and then we'll continue to worship. God, we do thank you for your grace that meets us right where we are. Uh, but transforms us so that we might be a part of the transformation in this world. God, we thank you for the good news of your grace, that while we were yet sinners, while we were imperfect and broken and, and far from you, that, that you sent Christ to die for us, to bring us close to you, so that we might have, uh, through a relationship with him, have a relationship with you and with one another that, that gives life, God, that we might have life abundant and eternal in Christ and through Christ, that we might shine the light of Christ in this world so that others might come to know him and saving faith through him. God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us to, to live into our identity as disciples of Jesus and as the church and to live out our faith in the places and the people that you call us. God, help us to be generous with our love and with our lives in the name of our generous and gracious God. We love you, we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got any questions about a relationship with Christ or, or a connection to this church, to this community, please let me know, and I'd love to talk to you. Let's stand and let's continue to worship.